going to go ahead. I'm not going to start the teaching, but I just want to let you know, the first um, page on your sheet, did everyone get a little packet? Okay. Um, if you Google Supernatural Finances Kevin Zadei, it's like Zada, Z-A-D-A-I, um, he has all these teachings on. So here's what I did. I took the ten and I grabbed pieces from it. And the reason why I did that, so it'll give you a full scope of concerning finances. So if you get a chance, Google him. Kevin, it's Z-A-D-A-I. You will love it. It will change your finances. I, I did something at the first session. I'd like to do it again. There's nothing to be embarrassed about because we all, at times, uh, our finances get low. Is there anybody in here that you need a miracle today? You really need a miracle from God. Stand up and we're going to pray. Whoever it is or all of us, you really want a miracle in your finances. You're going to get it by faith because you're standing. We're going to pray. First, we're going to get rid of the devil, then, then we'll get to the teaching. Father, we praise you and we magnify you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for your son that died on the cross and shed his blood for us, Lord God. And Father, we thank you for the power of your resurrection, the dunamis power, Lord God, that makes us excellent of soul. And right now we're believing in your miracle working power that right now, Lord, you're going to touch their finances, that you're going to change the circumstances. And, Lord, we pray in faith, knowing that you're the author and finisher of our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise you, Lord. So what I did, I took each one of the titles, and I just grabbed a little bit from it, tried to grab all the scriptures, because... That list of scriptures, even if you went home and read each one and claimed them for yourself, that's the best thing you could do. So the first chapter is God's word is binding. Let God in every area of your life, including your finances, God's word is full of authority. Isaiah 55:11. My words leave my mouth, and they don't come back without results. My, works, my words make things happen that I want to happen. They succeed in doing what I send them to do. Uh, God has plans for you and your finances. Psalms 33. Psalms 33, 1. The Lord plans stand firm forever. He desires that you be fit financially. Yes. Mark 9:23 Nothing is impossible to him that believes. God's not limiting you. He said nothing, there's nothing that's impossible. All you have to do is have faith. God is for you, he's not against you. And what happens is the devil comes around and he lies and he lies to you about your finances and you think, wow, God doesn't even care. It's not true. Um, let's see. Supernaturally, God can turn your finances around because you're his child. First Corinthians 2.9. No one has ever seen, no one has ever heard, no one has ever imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. So God wants to open up your eyes and my eyes. He wants to unlock mysteries. And people in the world, they don't get to hear God's mysteries, but we get to read them and hear them. 
believe and ask the Holy Spirit to come in your finances and to help you with them. Psalms 139. Psalms 139.7. How precious are your thoughts towards me. See, there's angels that are assigned to you to succeed. The Word of God says that there's a book written about each and every one of us and what we're going to do. And so the angels go and they read those books, and then they do everything they can to help you to be successful. So they're helping you even in your finances. Okay, the second chapter is on understand, understanding the sacredness of the tithe. Uh, in Malachi 3.10, oh, go on. Malachi 3.10, test me so I can bless you and rebuke the devourer by giving back the tithe. And Leviticus? Leviticus 27.30, a tenth of all crops belong to the Lord. Holy unto God. So if the tenth is his, then that means it's not yours. It doesn't belong to you. And it'll never belong to you. Because the tenth was never yours. The tenth is holy. Everything God did, he did for man. Every law, everything he's done here on earth, it's for us. We're made in the image of God. The Holy Spirit is the enforcer of his covenant. God knows we're in a fallen state. He knows we're here on earth. He knows we would not honor him with all that we have. So the tithe was made for man. It wasn't made for God because he doesn't need our money. In fact, he doesn't even use currency. But he uses it here. Um, Jesus said, honor. Oh, do you have that on your? Yes. Okay. Jesus said, honor the tithe law, but love your neighbor. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. Okay. So this is so you can honor God with your wealth. If not, we would just seek wealth for ourselves and forget God. Um, I, the first session, I told a story when Richard and I were pioneering in um, San Diego. I'm sorry, I was sick in bed for two days. I had laryngitis. This is my first day talking. This is not my voice, but <laughs> it'll have to do. Anyway, um, there was a woman, and her husband was a fisherman, and he would go out for like three months and then come back and work hard night and day for three months. And what happened, he made a decision that he wanted to serve God and not be out there. So he quit his job. And every day he was out looking and looking for a job, and he just couldn't find one and couldn't find one. They started to lose their home. They started to lose their car. They were totally almost penniless. And one day she came to me, and she was really upset, and she said, I'm really hurt and mad at my kids. So I said, why are you mad at them? What happened? And she says, well, they see we're losing everything, and they don't even care. She says, they don't even help us with money. She said, I have to go and ask them. And if I don't ask them, they don't contribute anything. So I told her, well... God has to tell us, or we wouldn't contribute anything. <laughs> he told us, give the tithe. It's not for him. It's for us. He wants us not to be selfish. So in the Old Testament, God used the tithe to pay priests, the workers, the Levites, the you know dip, different uh, things that the funds were for. But today, the tithe is used to support the five-fold ministry. In Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse 11 to 13, it talks about it. Um, 
we take care of missionaries, we have church buildings, there's church workers, there's many, many expenses in the church. In fact, you know, I'm laughing if you walked into Denise's office right now, she has a stack of bills that she's going to have to write checks for. But that's the way it is. It's expensive to run a church. Just ask your pastor, he'll tell you. So a lot of people say, well, well, the tithe is for the Old Testament. No, it's not. The reason why Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek, he was the king of Salem, before there was even the law. Then after the law or during the law, it was put into the law about paying tithes. It's also about blessings. And then the third was Jesus. And um, he said, honor the tithe law, but love your neighbor. So he was telling us, pay tithes, but not just that. Don't feel you're righteous because, oh, I pay tithes. He told him, love your neighbor, too. So in Malachi 3.11, he talks about him destroying the devourer. The devourer is a demon. And when you don't pay tithes, that demon affects your funds. And those who pay tithes, God directs and helps them with it. Okay, the third chapter, it talks about assessing battle strategies concerning giving and receiving. There's two parts to this. So the enemy doesn't want you to know God's provision. And provision is being prepared beforehand. He doesn't want you to know what God can do for you. In Genesis 26:12, it talks about there was a famine in the land in Gerar. Um, Isaac was a sower in that land, and God blessed him. God made him proper, prosperous, and he gained hundredfold, a hundred of what he had. Can you imagine? Everyone, no matter where you go, there's, there's uh, training and gaining wealth. But God wants you to have it and to give it away. See, you turn the TV on and, oh, there's books on gaining wealth, flipping houses, all this stuff going on about gaining and gaining. But there's no training on giving. No training. But in God's word, he tells us, specifically on how to give. You need to give and sow into someone else's dream, and God will bless and sow into your dream. And um, years ago, uh, when we had the 180, uh, we were, yeah, we had the 180, and um, we went to church on the move in Oklahoma, and my husband was being trained, and I am on different things concerning running the program. And what ended up happening at the very end, Pastor Willie George said, okay, we're getting ready to buy seats. He had, it was huge, this sort of like an auditorium. It wasn't his church. It was next to his church. And this auditorium where they did the 180. And he said, we're getting ready to put in seats. And he asked all the pastors that were there, and there were hundreds. He said, what I want is I want each one of you to donate and purchase as many seats as you can. I forgot how much they were. I think they were like $1,000. They were special seats so that the kids wouldn't tear them up. So um, I remember I was sitting there, and I'm going, oh, no, you know, we, we're building our new church, and we need money for that. And I'm sitting there, and I felt like God said, give 5000 And I thought, 
Oh, no, that could be God. We don't have 5,000. So my husband turns around, and he looks at me, and he goes, Nancy, we're going to give $5,000. And I went, whoa, okay, and we did. Now, let me share something. At that time, they weren't even going to build this building unless we were used the um, railroad property. So my husband, he was negotiating with them. I think they sent us a bill and said, okay, it's going to be 25000 you know, every year. And my husband was, no, uh-uh, we cannot pay 25000 Because when we built this building, it was totally ripped down, and now our Payments were three times as much because we had to build the building. So he was trying to do everything on pennies. So anyway, we were back a while from going to the 180 over there in Oklahoma, and all of a sudden a letter comes in from the railroad, and they told my husband, okay, uh, you now have to pay 1500 a year. That's more than 100 folks. And you could easily say, oh, well, you guys are pastors. Oh, well, of course, you're doing it for the church. Let me tell you something. God is no respecter of persons, or he would not have put it in his Bible. No respecter of persons. What he does for me, he does for you. In fact, he may do more for you than he does for me. I have people all the time coming up to me, telling me about their miracles, and I'm like, wow, Z, that, that's a pretty good one. <laughs> okay, Third John, one, two. Third John, chapter 1, verse 2, be prosperous. Okay, Romans 12, 8. Romans 12, 8. Whoever has the gift of giving to help others should give generously. Yes, there's people in here, and you have the gift to give. And I see so many people give generously to others, to the church, helping any, anybody and anywhere. Romans 12, oh, Deuteronomy 8, 18. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. It is God who gives, who gives you the power to gain wealth so he can establish his power. Wow, that's a good one. He gives you the power to gain wealth and then so he can establish his power. God wants you to have money so he can show off with you. Did you know God shows off? He's show off. He loves to show off. He tells his angels in heaven, look at so-and-so. Look at this person. Look at that person. He loves showing off his people. So um, how does he do that? He does it through warfare. Warfare. And you know what warfare is? And I want you to grasp this. Warfare is you're in. You're in, and the demons and the devils know it. They know you're going to heaven. They know all the things are being prepared for you up there, that you're going to live a life of glory, that you're not going to cry anymore, that you're going to be happy, that you're going to have everything that you could possibly need and want. This, this earth is over he knows all those things. He also knows he's out. That's spiritual warfare. You're in, we're in, he's out. So the only thing he can do is just bug the life out of you. I'm serious. He'll lie to you day and night if you don't stop him. And he does the same thing with your finances. If you want to go do something or, or give to somebody... Tells you, don't do that. You need that money. You go, oh, and you put it back in your purse. You know what? I need that money. It, 
giving at church, whatever it might be. He has more power over you than God does because we let him. We let him do that. So, one, do what God asks you to do. Two, then he gives you power to get wealth. Three, he legally transfers wealth to you. It's like when you give, boom, straight to heaven. It's being recorded and stored for you. And God establishes his covenant. Psalms 1, 1 to 3. Psalms chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. Don't stand with sinners. Okay. God wants to bring his authority into your house. You might say, oh, man, I work with a pack of sinners. Seven years after I got saved, I still had to work for the city. And, I mean, you talk about devils. <laughs> and what, from one day of me, you know, going to Vegas with them and, and, you know, going to the horse races and having them at my house partying, the next day I walk in a saint. And so all of a sudden, everything changed. So don't give to gain, but get to give. Ask God, give me money, Lord, so that I can give to others. Not for me to gain, not for me to brag, not for me to show off, but for me to allow God to show me off. Let him show you off. Number four, assessing battle strategies concerning giving and receiving. There's a part one and a part two. So this is part two. Okay, Psalms 37, three to four. Psalms 37, verse three to four. Enjoy serving the Lord, and he will give you whatever you ask. Be joyful. And he'll give you whatever you ask. He's not like your spouse that's going to say, no, can't buy that. He just goes, here you go, bling, bling, and it's yours. God isn't saying not to have nice things. He's saying, don't let these things have you. Don't let them have you. You know, I was thinking of a time... Before Rich and I got saved, I would just have expensive lamps and all this stuff. I don't anymore, but I used to have all this stuff, and the kids couldn't touch it and all that. And one time my pastor's wife came over, and we're sitting on the couch, and my son just comes tearing through, and he just bangs right into the lamp pole, and it's going kick, 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 like this. And I went, ah, and I jumped up, and I screamed, went for the lamp pole, and I was like halfway there, and I went, your pastor's wife sitting in your living room. And I went, oh, my God, she saw me act like a nut over this <laughs> lamp. And, and I thought, oh, my God. And right then God told me, stop loving things. And I was like, okay, Lord. Seek God and good things will find you, find you. Um, Psalms 37. Psalms 37, verse 18 and 19. Your reward will continue forever. Forever. You're being rewarded forever. Ask God to prosper you so you can be a blessing to others. You can look around church and see somebody who needs money or finance, and you just go... Oh, poor thing. No, God doesn't want you to say, poor thing. I'll pray for them. He wants you to say, you know what, Lord? Give me some finances so that I can give to him, her, that family, whatever. And I'll tell you what I do. What I do is I put it in an envelope, and I give it to somebody, a leader, and I'll tell them, uh, somebody's giving this to this person, can you hand it to them? And that's it. I'm not lying. 
they don't know it's me. I just ask them, can you do this for me? You can do the same thing and meet the needs of people walking through the door. Um, Psalms 37:25. God's children would never beg for food. Never. God is full of wealth. There's people who have gone to heaven and seen heaven, and they come back mesmerized. They can't even tell you what's there. They're like, oh, my God. And it's all for us. When we get there, we get to play in it and see it and, and everything. Pay your tithes, support missions, and give offerings. Every seat, every chair costs money. Churches have employees, including your pastor. Psalm 65:11 says, "Your oh, I'm sorry. Your past drip with abundance." Okay, God has an abundance for each and every one of us. He has plenty of money to go around. Our churches should be of high quality and excellence, high quality and excellence. So every time your pastor wants to do something in your building, don't go, there he goes again. Now what is he doing? My husband's forever redecorating the church. He gets his inspiration. I see this gleam on his eye like, we're going to fix up the foyer, and we have a foyer. We don't need a foyer. Oh, no. We're going to fix it up. Next thing I know, it's gorgeous. But he couldn't do it on himself. Others participated in giving. Uh, Psalm 68.6. The rebellious find themselves in dry places. Mm -hmm. If you're rebellious, God doesn't want you to stay in that place. God wants you to benefit from all he has. And if you're sitting there thinking, well, they're not talking to me because I'm not rebellious, ask them. <laughs> it's a way to find out, am I rebellious? I'm kind of afraid to ask them. <laughs> this is on the fear of the Lord and giving. God is to be completely respected and honored. In heaven, the angels tremble in his presence. They tremble. So how do you get the fear of the Lord into your life? Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Cleanse ourselves from all filthiness. Ooh, is he talking to me? Let's see. If we are Christians, why is Paul telling us to cleanse ourselves? Hmm. It must be important. The Corinthian church was carnal. They were earthly-minded, but no heavenly good. They thought they were doing great, but they weren't. So perfect holiness is the fear of the Lord. If he says cleanse yourself, cleanse yourself. Ask the Holy Spirit to go into places that you're not aware of. Uh, selfishness, anything, everything. Negative thoughts about other people, about people in church, about family. Do things the right way, even when no one's looking. Even when nobody is looking. Do the right thing. Uh, let's see. So there's a story of um, Ananias and Sapphira. And what happened is, oh, I was going to tell you to be set apart and fear God. And they sold something. They were going to give the money to the church. They kept some back, and God killed them just like that. So don't you think the church after that went, ah, 
Everyone knows. It's in the Bible. They all saw it. So, And God didn't care that everybody saw their humility. Learn from their experience and fear God. Depending on the path you choose, that you choose, prosperity will or won't follow your future and your descendants. I want to tell you something. Um, Kevin Zaday, he uh, experienced death. He went to heaven. And after that, God, he claims, took him 45 times after that. But for 23 years, he stood as a flight attendant. They don't make much money. And um, his wife stood doing hair for 45 years. And he couldn't tell anybody what he saw in heaven or what God said. He had to seal his lips for 23 years. And God, God was testing his obedience. Then God told him, you passed your test. I want you to write a book. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. I don't know what he's worth now, but it's tons of bucks. And now he has money. He just gives it and gives it and gives it and gives it. He buys people houses, everything. He's just filthy rich because he did what God said. So God wants to prosper you by walking in fear, by fearing him. That's the beginning. And he said that when he was there, God told him, I'm going to give you the button. I'm going to give you the button. And if you do this, he said, if anyone does this, he said, they, they've made it with me. In other words, they're in with him and total blessings. And he said that's to fear him, to fear God. Uh, Psalms 25, 12 to 13, God promises three things when we walk in his fear. One, wisdom. And we all need wisdom, don't we? We say and do some pretty dumb stuff, don't we? We think our kids do, but we do too. And we catch ourselves. He wants to give us wisdom and teach us how to talk and teach us how to act. The next thing he wants to give us is he wants to prosper us. He wants to give us money. He wants to put it in our hands so that we can put it where he wants us to put it. When we Show him that he can trust us. Then he does that for us. And it's all on fearing God. The third thing he does is our descendants will prosper. Our children, our grandkids, our great-grandkids. I know we all love our kids, but when you finally have a grandchild, you learn what real love is. You just spoil them to death. I mean, Aubrey, Richard, and I can't wait to get our hands on her. When she walks in, we attack her, and and she knows that, too. She just stands there and lets us do whatever. <laughs> the Apostle Paul threw everything away and rested on the power of God. He was so happy to have the power of God in his life. He was a murderer. So honor and love God with all your finances. You know, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I'm saying it to you guys. When I go into jail, the first thing I do, or the last thing I'll close, you know, uh, with Chris and I, Chris Bowie, is I tell the girls, you know what? The, the uh, Psalms were written by a murderer, David. The um, epistles were written by a murderer, Paul. The first five books of the Bible were written by a murderer, Moses. And I said, if God could take these men, touch their life, use them, have them write the Bible, he said, how much more you? 
we are all important to God. So when I walk out, I want them to know, I don't care if you're in jail. You're not a nobody. You're a somebody. So there's two ways to receive rewards. One, giving in the name of Jesus and being stirred in faith and compassion. So one, give in the name of Jesus, not your name, and and being stirred in faith and compassion. Give money, give time, and dream big, because you'll get it. You'll get your dream. So the seventh lesson is a lesson in kingdom authority. We have blind spots. You don't think you do, but we have them. (laughs) Truth doesn't blind. So Jesus is truth. The devil knows that, and he's a murderer. He's disgusting. Disgusting. But there's nothing more annoying than when someone doesn't use the authority that they have. And you and I have authority. How many here have seen the movie Hidden Figures? Am I the only one? Oh, okay. It's one of my favorite. When I'm on the plane, I watch it over and over and over again. I'm, yes, love this movie. But there's, there's this one scene that just grabs me. I mean, it's like, ooh, ooh-wee. And um, it's Kevin Cosner. He's, it's about NASA. And it's a true movie. And what it is, is there's a whole group of black women that work in NASA, and they do things, and they're more intelligent than anyone else, and they're there working. And there's this one woman that's the most intelligent of them all. So they have her working in a special part. And the guy that's over her, um, she was standing with him and talking, and she was arguing with him. And Kevin Cosner, who's the head of that whole department, he hears them arguing, and he turns around, and he's mad, and he goes, what's going on over there? So then all of a sudden she turns around, this one woman, she goes, wait. She says, I need to go in that room with you. And that's where, you know, all the top, very top heads are in there. Even the astronauts are in there. And they're all at this huge table. And then he says, I told her she can't go in there. And and then all of a sudden, Kevin Cosner says, shh. So then after uh, Kevin Cosner looks at both of me, he goes, who's boss? Who's in charge here? You know, and he's yelling at both of them. And she turns around, she goes, you are. You just have to act like it. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, I'm going, yes. So I love watching it just for that part. I'm, that's right. You know why? Because we're in charge. But the problem is we don't act like it. We don't act like it. We let the demons talk to us. And then we obey them. Yes, we do. Kevin said when he was in heaven, he begged God not. He said he acted like a lawyer. He gave God seven reasons why he shouldn't come back. God said, no, you're going back. And he said, you know why I didn't want to come back? He said, earth is infested with demons, infested. And he said, I saw so many around each Christian leading us by the nose. So Jesus has the highest name and authority, and we have that name. He tattooed it on us. It's on us. You have the power to drive out serpents. If Jesus said you can drive out serpents, you can drive out serpents. Faith causes us to move in authority. Faith. And that's how you do it. And if you don't feel like you have enough faith, ask them for faith. 
Do things in faith. Doesn't don't worry about the results. Just do it. Zephaniah three seventeen. Zephaniah three seventeen. God is singing over you. Can you imagine right now? He's in heaven. He's just singing over all of us. He's so excited with us. You may think you might be wanting to hide under the chair right now and go, I just did this and I did. All you have to say is, I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me. And it's covered in the blood. That That's simple. Uh, blessings in Deuteronomy 28. Do you have them on your sheet? Yes. Good. You can read them. Blessings in Deuteronomy 28. Blessings will come on me and overtake me. Six, everything you own will increase. Seven, your enemies will be defeated before your face. And eight, blessings will be commanded on everything you put in your put your hand to. I'm sorry, my computer changes stuff on me. My husband doesn't believe it, but it happens. <laughs> There's a little demon up there, and it. I have to bind it, rebuke it, but allow God to command these blessings on you right now. Let's just command them right now in Jesus' name. There are blessings in Deuteronomy. They're for all of us. And if you can go on and finish reading sure. Deuteronomy and then Proverbs. Sure. Thank Deuteronomy you. 28, 11 through 13, you will lend and not borrow. That's power. Yes. Deuteronomy 29, 9, obey God's words so you will prosper. Be a giver and not a taker. Deuteronomy 39, he will increase you. And Proverbs 3, 1 through 4, prosperity and long life. Man. Okay, and in chap, it's not chapter, but his eighth uh, teaching that he, he gives on the Internet is praying in the spirit and supernatural provision. Here's what provision means. It means a measure taken beforehand to deal with the need. In other words, preparation. Okay, he gives you vision beforehand. And let me tell you, that's excellent because God does a lot of things with provision in your life, things you don't even know about. And I'm going to give you a quick testimony. Pastor Sergio, when we were trying to witness to him, because I got saved first and then my husband, and um, he was driving one time all drunk on the freeway, and then all of a sudden he's going towards the center aisle, but he was so drunk he couldn't, you know, turn the wheel or anything, and he said all of a sudden the wheel turned on its own. So when we were witnessing to him, Richard brought it up, and he said, Sergio, remember when you were on the freeway all drunk? And, you know, and he's, yeah. And he goes, and what happened to your wheel? And Sergio just stood there all scared, and he said, God, turn that wheel. And that day, Sergio committed his life and came to church. Amen. So if God has provision for us, when we're not saved, how much more when we are? Dear me, he has angels all around us. First Corinthians 14. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 8. I speak in tongues more than you all. When you speak in tongues, you're talking only to God. And you are strengthened personally. You know, uh, when... Kevin's the day was in heaven. He said that God told him the single most important activity he could do is speak in tongues. And, you know, I've taken that to heart. When negative things come my way, I just start speaking in tongues, and I forget what the negative thing was. I just go, wow, man, God even took it away, the memory of it. So the Spirit of God is our helper. He left us a helpmeet, and that's the Holy Spirit. God understands everything you're saying, and he will lead you into blessings. He will direct us right 
into our next blessing. You don't have to be in the dark anymore, not when you're his child. Know that weakness is the devil's setup. He loves it when you're weak. He makes you weak. He does things so that you feel like, oh, I'm this, I'm that. Uh, He drags up all your insecurities. He drags up who loves you and who doesn't, who's mad at you and who isn't, and he keeps you in the shell. The Spirit of God walks you into a great future. Let me tell you something. Your pastor has to have backbone because people are always coming down on pastors. And we already know. We give it to God. We don't hate the people. We don't talk about the people. In fact, we pray for them. We say, God, touch them. So the Spirit of God walks you into a great future. Testify how God multiplied your finances. When he multiplies it, tell people. And tell them if he did it for me, he can do it for you. Build their faith. Build their faith. Your friends, your family, your coworkers, and and neighbors will be released. Okay, the ninth one is the word of the Lord in sowing and reaping. Psalms 18. Psalms 18, verse 30. Your path for me has been perfect. Okay, walk with God and you won't have unnecessary problems. Is there anyone who enjoys unnecessary problems? I don't. I mean, I'm constantly looking for the path that there's no problems in. (laughs) When God tells you to sow, you must do it immediately. Don't think it through. If he tells you, look, that person over there needs this, or you know what, um, do this for somebody, don't think about it. Go and do it immediately. You'll talk yourself out of it. The devil will whisper in your ear. Okay, Second Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 8. Excuse me, 6 through 8. So bountifully. In other words, give a lot. Don't give grudgingly. God keeps track. He keeps track of everything. In Matthew 13, 16 to 27, the parable of the sower is really the parable of the soils. He's really talking about the soils. And the soil is your heart and mine. The seed is God's word. So a lot of times we read this and we go, oh, this is for new Christians. No, it's for you. It's for you every day to go through it and see what kind of heart you have. In verse 19, it talks about the footpath. It says that it, it's hard ground, um, and that's where the seed had fallen. It says a hard heart hears the word and doesn't understand it. They don't grasp God's word or take it to heart. And sometimes that's you and me. Then verse 20 says, talks about the rocky soil. It says the seed that fell on gravel, they hear the word with joy. Wow, that's powerful scripture. That's cool. Then no deep roots. So when trouble or persecution comes, he quickly falls away because God's word isn't deep in his heart. So there you go again. Now the thorny soil, the seed that fell on the thorns are people, and it's all of us, so don't exclude yourself, who hear, fully embrace, but life's distractions, a divided heart, and financial problems choke the word and causes unfruitfulness, financial ambitions. You know, we think, ooh, I'm going to miss church because I can make 50 bucks doing that or whatever. And we 
start putting our mind, there's nothing with a career. I mean, I was still seeking my career when I worked for the city, but the moment God said, I knew when I got saved that we were going to pastor. It took my husband seven years. I was like, and finally one day he said yes, and he's such a great pastor. He thought he didn't have what it took. That, that that was a lie the devil was telling him. Psalms 18.30. Oh, we're past that. Excuse me. Okay. People who hear and fully embrace God's word is a good soil. Now listen to this. They are fruitful 30, 60, and 100 times as much. 30 to 60 to 100 times as much when they're faithful to God. And the last one is the favor of the Lord. This is when God decides to give you more than you deserve. There are times when I've done something, I'm not talking about sin, you know, but just maybe snapped at my child or my husband or whatever And all of a sudden, I'm blessed with something, and I'm so embarrassed. I mean, why is God doing this for me? Why is he giving me this? Or why? And that's favor. It's God knows I didn't deserve it. But he just said, here it is, Nancy. And I'm like, oh, God. Leviticus 26.9. Leviticus 26.9. I will make you fruitful. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 23:45. Turn the curse into a blessing. If you rejoice in God, He will give you favor. If you rejoice in God, stay happy all the time in Him, speak in tongues, He says He will give you favor. Psalms. Psalms chapter 5, verse 11 through 12. Shout with joy. Bless the righteous with favor. Okay, and we're going to end with that. We're going to do that. We're going to shout with joy. Everyone stand up. Let's clap and shout for joy. to go there's going to be a meeting in here but next year you come and you tell me how God bless you I want you to look for blessings because everyone's going to get them because we shouted for joy